How's it going, everybody? And welcome to the Jack Sanborn Show. I'm um, just kidding. Welcome to Barely There Pod. Um, as always, I'm joined with Lucas Perfetti. You can follow him on Twitter at LucasFetti46. I'm Duke Coughlin. You can follow me at that pod guy, Duke. And you can follow the podcast at Barely There Pod. Be sure to check in on YouTube. Join the conversation like our boy, uh, Unknown X Pro 22 with the Derrick Rose profile picture. He's a real loser, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, Lucas, how are we feeling, buddy? We got a preseason game under our belt. Um, plenty of conversation going on at Hallis Hall, of course, because, you know, this this offseason just never ends uh, when it comes to drama and news. So uh, how are we feeling, Lucas? I'm feeling good. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I'm feeling good. Yeah, that was weird. I just had like a hairball pop up right away. Um, just want to congratulate you. We're episode episode 18 and that was your best intro by far um just drilled it absolutely so feeling good man bears uh we got a lot to talk about we got a preseason game a little bit more roquan smith stuff um let's just jump right into it yeah so um obviously let's just dive right in the bears played a preseason game matt Nagy showed up to soldier field um all hell broke loose but um overall you know i feel like it's been kind of covered to death at this point but we there's a lot of key points in this preseason game I really want to bring up. Um, We have to get the obvious out of the way, dude. I have to hoot and holler and gloat about my boy, Jack Sanborn, just absolutely tearing it apart in the, in his opportunity. Um, And actually is practicing with the uh, second team defense this week. So he'll, he'll have more of an opportunity, hopefully uh, tomorrow against Seattle to really, uh, really shine and show that he, he belongs on the field more than just a special teams role. But like, dude, special teams, even in the first half, he was just rolling down the field, making plays like hustle was just no, no doubt there. And then, you know, the, the stats speak for themselves, you know, seven, seven tackles, an interception, a fumble recovery. Like he was, he was all over the field. He's, he's what you were looking at in that strong side linebacker position. And obviously like as much as I love Jack and I don't want to like, overdo it with how much i'm really excited about you know what he can do moving forward we also can't go too deep into like one preseason game you know like we need to see this continuing to move forward but it was a big plus sign where the linebacker core really as a whole lucas was kind of underwhelming even the first team the second team like besides nicholas morrow who i thought had a okay okay performance didn't really do anything that like stuck off you know stuck off the film or anything like that but overall like a lot of linebackers just really didn't play up to snuff. And it was really nice to see a guy like Sanborn, who's an undrafted free agent, just really take advantage of his opportunity. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to start with players that did a, a incredible job, I mean, I know it's crazy because I've gone back and forth. I feel like when the bears first signed him, I'm like, Hey, this guy can make the team, you know, it's a thin linebacker room. Um, and you were just so high on him. Right. And then we went to training camp and I, I was like, man, I don't know if, I'm seeing it like maybe Dukes and and I think what it really comes down to is he's a gamer, right? Like as soon as the lights came on, he had an incredible performance. Like you said, the stats were all there. Um, big part of why the bears actually won that game as well. I think it's, you know, well-deserved if, if you, if you're thinking about linebacker play, he clearly sticks out. Um, yeah, man, he actually was a lot just like, everything you said about him, right? Like the relentless pursuit and just like kind of how he seems like a glue guy and overachiever essentially, right? Like that's, 
that's what he was. That he was everything that you you think of like from a guy that plays with 100% heart. So, I mean, kudos to him. Kudos to you. I'm happy that you guys were – I mean, obviously you were freaking the fuck out. But I'm happy about it. Hopefully he does take that next step. But I think if anyone made a, the biggest case out of UDFAs to come on and, and play, it's either him or um, the defensive lineman. I'm blanking on him right now. Oh, my God. Why can't I think of it? It's um, not. Are you thinking of uh, what the hell? He's like an edge rusher. He had a sack, I believe. Caleb Johnson, I think his name is. Um, he he played pretty well, but Tristan Ebner was probably my favorite player, and and another guy that I was very high on the whole time. Um, and looking into, no, it wasn't Drew. No, no, it was not him. Uh, Edward. are you are you sure? I think it might have been Micah uh Micah Do Treadway. No, it wasn't. Um, it, because it wasn't. I'll I'll oh. look it up in a hot second. Or was it? Uh, uh, are you thinking of Charles Snowden? No, it wasn't Charles Snowden. I'm pretty sure it's Caleb Johnson. Caleb. Uh, yeah, but is Caleb? I don't. Is Caleb Johnson a UDFA? I'll say this is his second season. Regardless, he is. He was, he's, yeah. he's more of a long shot to make the roster. He was definitely a guy that that stuck out in the linebacker room. You know, like I like I kind of alluded to earlier. Like it was a linebacker core that really didn't the guys you expected to show up really didn't necessarily. I also, that being said, I think Joe Thomas had a decent game as well. Um, I think he has the chance to be really good depth on this team. Um, but dude, I, um, if, if we're talking about like defensive players who potentially like kind of made an impact, we got to talk about uh, Jaquan the, Brisker. Clearly Dominique Dom- Robinson Dominique played Robinson, well. Man. Yeah. Dominique Robinson played really, really well. Um, I, I mean, he's like, everything you wanted from a guy that they're going to take in the fifth round and has all the traits and all the upside. I mean, he, he took his opportunity and played really well, but no one, no one played better than Jack Sanborn in general, like the whole team, no one played better than him. He was by far um, one of the biggest catalysts. He also had that fumble recovery as well. So, um, but yeah, looking at guys that stuck out in general, Jaquan, Jaquan Brisker was fucking absurd. There was a good series and a half there where it was like he made every single play. Um, not even joking. And I, I think because he has that range, um, you know, people were talking about replacing Eddie Jackson with him already, moving him to free and trying to get rid of Eddie Jackson. I like, I think that's kind of crazy. Just looking at what he's able to do, uh, underneath there, there's no reason not to, he's everywhere. He's like another linebacker. If you want to play, uh, you know, if you want to play a smaller, like if you want to play nickel, stay in nickel and maybe like a a third and five situation, or let's say third and three where you could pass or run. Like he's the perfect guy that you want there. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it seemed like the first team D though. Maybe it was because Brisker, you know, it's his first time getting back into football. It's the NFL. Like, you know, maybe he, he was slow to start and then the second team came in and he kind of got into his groove as the second team came in. Cause there was a point there where Jaquan Brisker looked like he was clearly the best player on the field, both sides of the ball. Um, so, I mean, kudos to him. And then Tristan Ebner, my guy, like, Dude, I'm telling you, he's faster than Alvin Kamara, but like he's got that Kamara type feature to him. I think you could actually make him feature back. Like I'm, I don't think I'm going out of the ordinary saying one preseason game. Like, yeah, sure, but like all the traits are there. His his ability to run and cut out of the backfield is is fucking remarkable, and it could come in so so big as a safety valve. Especially, I mean, his his Texas route he he ran uh, to score. When's the last time you saw the Bears fourth and 
eighth or I'm sorry, third and eight on like the 15 yard line, 20 yard line, and then put the ball in the end zone on that play. Um, it was beautiful Whoa. to see and his run after catch, like it's seamless. You know what I mean? He's, he's getting the ball and he's eyes up field gone. Um, well, it was, it was also, it was also really nice to see that we use the running back instead of just tossing into the flats. Cause it felt like that was kind of uh something that Matt Nagy did quite a bit. He didn't quite use his running backs in the middle of the field, like kind of on that Texas route. Like, I'm really glad you brought that up because I loved it. The second it got ran is, and that's something we just haven't seen the past few years. That's uh well, you can't run a Texas route when everyone's stopping eight yards in, that's the biggest issue. Like that's why those guys are in the flats. The routes need to complement each other. And in like that talking about Luke Getze as a whole, just fucking his fourth and two play call, shooting the ball down the field, like he already proved enough to me because we know that would have either been four stops short of the sticks or uh, trying to force a ball in, like past the corner or past the linebacker, or it would have been a fucking gut punch with Tariq Cohen not even having David Montgomery in the game. Like, So to me, I already have a lot more faith in him. Um, obviously, play calling, there's going to be spots where he calls dumbass plays. That's every coach. That's every offensive coordinator. But for a first-time play caller, I really liked what I saw. And then in, in terms of the scheme, like – you saw a lot of deep crossing type uh, combinations. You saw scissors routes. Um, there was a big scissors route on on one of the, I think it was a third down completion to Tajay Sharp. Um, like the second, not the catch from what's it called? Nagy wasn't a Nagy wasn't really a play caller. No, he wasn't. He was just a glorified fucking you coffee are, boy, and he's back to his spot. Um, you're but going yeah, a minute right now, bud. So I got, I got, I got a couple I want to toss in here because you flew like through three topics. I really want to touch on here. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. You, you didn't even give me a second to touch on Brisker, who was a guy that I was very high on coming out. And um, it, the biggest thing that like, I really liked with Brisker just to keep it short because I want to jump into this Getsy stuff. Um, I really liked just how he, how he attacked ball carriers, how he just, he was not afraid. He didn't wait too long, kind of setting his feet to make a tackle. Like he just played football. You know, obviously early on, I feel like playing with the starters on an NFL field for the first time day one, that can be a little staggering. You know, not everybody's going to respond to that very well. But I, I really like the point that you brought up where uh, Brisker kind of jumped in once uh, once the second string defense came in and really started shining, really started showing what made him such a highly touted prospect and what made him so special at Penn State. Like not only does he have range, like everyone, it's going to go from how did the Bears take a safety with their second pick to how did Jaquan Brisker go to this in the second round? Like, well, well, dude, and that's, and that's what kills me about people who complain about that. Cause I saw quite a few people bringing that up with, uh, uh, Pickens when he was having a good game with, uh, Pittsburgh, which by the way, shout out to Mitch Trubisky. Uh, good shit, buddy. Um, they gave but, him the like, true number one treatment, right? Have him play yeah. a fucking driver two and then sit and let the other guys play for the backup spot. Yeah, and he looked really good in that one drive. But um, like I, I think I think people need to realize like Brisker should have been a first round pick. Like in most drafts, he is. Teams got really wide receiver heavy in the first round. Um, and I just I really think it's underrated how good of a tackler he is. Like he and he has range. Like I I see the take on Twitter with like trying to compare him to like a Jamal Adams or like a Mike Brown. And it's like, dude, I it's so hard to put a label on him. Because both those guys you name are limited in one way or another. Whereas I don't think Jaquan Brisker is necessarily limited in any part of his game. He is such a good all-around player. Now, is he elite in anything in particular? We we got to wait and see that. Yes. You know what I mean? That's something that Coming can develop all the time. Hitting, I think so. 
Oh yeah, no, no. He finishes. He finishes tackles. You know that's, but that's that's a number one. What really sets him apart though is how good his range is while being that. He is not your typical like stand in the box safety. Like he is a guy who can do a little bit of everything. He can make those plays downfield. Um, so like I, I really think his mold is special. Like I, I think that we should hold off on maybe trying to label him like with a pro comparison because it's hard to really put one on him because you know you start you start kind of drooling over the tackles he's making like i really love the play where the running back tried cutting back within like the first three yards of the line of scrimmage and brisker just put him fucking down in the middle of the field like yeah you love to see those plays and you think like oh man he's a heavy hitter you know great type of tackling safety but like then you see his range then you see him jumping routes and almost getting an interception you know i thought that was a play that uh hasn't been talked about enough because that could have easily been had he stayed on his feet and got the ball that he could be running for six on that one and that's something he did Against Wisconsin. Thank you for bringing that up, by the way. He, he is he is that special type of athlete that the sky is the absolute limit for him. And dude, he's gonna be the he's gonna be the greatest Jaguan Brisker that is ever gonna be. You know what I mean? I think that's yeah, the way people really I, look at it. I think he has splashes of you know, I know you said the the ProCom things a little early, but I think like I haven't seen his man coverage yet, but I think he's got splashes of Derwin James, to be honest. Um, who just got paid what, twenty million dollars a year. So I, I don't oh, know. Non, I just, non-premium position, by the way. Non-premium position. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean Eddie, that. Eddie Sheeran. No, I was just looking at Eddie Sheeran's comment. Um, Jaquan is going to be the DPO in the DPOY race and probably won't win, but I haven't been more confident in a rookie for a long time. DROY for sure. He's going to be in that conversation. I think that's what he meant. Dude, the NFL, unless you unless you pull like a Micah Parsons, like they're they're gonna keep you out of that just for being a rookie. You know what I mean? They're gonna give that to they're gonna give that MVP to like a TJ Watt or uh, anything like that. But um, no, dude, I'm glad people are as high on on Brisker with this um as I am, and I uh I really like that point that you just made, Lucas. Um, I think I think seeing his man coverage that's gonna be the biggest test in the NFL because it's hard to really gauge a safety's man coverage skills in college unless you see him like line up in the slot or actually line up at the line. And that just wasn't something Brisker did enough. And if he did do it, he did it against a tight end. And obviously tight ends in the NFL are a lot more athletic than what you're gonna get in the Big Ten. No offense against the Big Ten. They have great tight end schools, but you know what I mean. Um yeah, anyway, like I, I like some of the points you're making about the Getsy's offense. I will say um, I'm excited to see what it looks like week one and maybe get a little bit more sophisticated with uh, how they kind of call or how they get into a rhythm. Because obviously, like, it's this is why I have a hard time getting excited about scheme early on, regardless of who it is, is uh, they were running vanilla offense in a sense. You know what I mean? They were trying to get guys in space. They were trying to see what guys do well. They're trying to see if Daz Newsom catch a ball in the end zone. They're trying to see if. Uh, you know, Tajay Sharp can catch a jump ball. They want to see what Mooney can do downfield outside of just being crossing route and route guy. So they were they were kind of switching it up. And, you know, that's that's the good thing about having preseason is you have to look at it as a live, live scrimmage. You know, Definitely. Not- you got to think about um, two DBs are playing man-to-man. They're not going to be running zones during the preseason. They want to see how you cover in man. Um, so that's a big part of it too, right? Like how our zones going to be exposed against some of these teams that typically run more zone. Cause a lot of teams are not running like press man. I think it's just the Patriots, uh, the bucks, a couple other coordinators, but for the most part, you're seeing a lot of zones, a lot of cover two shell. Um, yeah, Nagy wasn't really a play caller. I know. Um, but like, right, I just want to toss that in there. It's good to see you spag. Yeah. Um, did you have anything else on that? Because I kind of want to backtrack and talk about the game as a whole. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know. Overall, I want to see. Uh, I want to see what the offensive line like. I just. I don't know. It's hard to gauge until we see what a starting offensive line looks like as well. Um, you know, we need to be able to see full progressions from Justin Fields, not just, uh, you know, grab the ball, snap it and throw it. Cause it seemed like once, once gets, kind of realized that pressure was coming, that there was a lot of uh, really quick hitting routes they started calling. So um, we're, we're going to have, it's going to be a process. And obviously Getsy said multiple times that the offensive line is far from a finished product right now of who they want their starting five to be. So it's going to be really interesting uh, coming up into the next game to see who really takes that step forward. But uh, go ahead. Luke. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll get to the net, like the negatives that we saw too after, but I think my biggest thing is like, to me, what we saw was a team that on the first team was getting destroyed. Um, those first two, three drives, it looked like Kansas city was going to win this game 48 zero, like without a doubt, it was bad instantly. Justin Fields was taking hits. Like you said, um, and then that second team kind of came through and you could tell it's like, okay, they started swarming into the ball. Like all those things that Fluce wanted to, that Fluce has, has described and said, and said, we're going to measure how hard you're working. Like, I feel like a lot of those backups trying to make the team, like you could see they were working for that job. So I do think the way he's coaching, like we're already seeing more of an identity than we did with Matt Nagy. And I think the way he's coaching is going to encourage a lot. Like th this roster is not at the top end able to compete. But I think at the, at the bottom end, like that hard work shit, that's going to come through. Like these guys are going to be prepared for games. Um, you could tell situationally he won his first challenge. Uh, I think just overall, like just seeing the way the game played out, two scores pretty early in the first half. Offense couldn't like don't get me wrong. At least there was some deep concepts, but like offense was really not moving the ball against that first team. And I think a, a big part of it is the fact that we had Michael Schofield and Sam must for starting, you know, that was, they were, they were getting blown up as a, a duo. I guess we could touch, I mean, say Braxton Jones actually played pretty decent. I think the best way to describe Braxton Jones, I know you're going to want to talk about it, but like, I think he has potential to be a left tackle of the future. Like we've talked about it before. He has all of the intangibles, right? He might be, uh, a touch too short for your ideal frame for a left tackle, but he makes up for it in arm length. You could see like he just wasn't he he wasn't balanced enough throughout the game, right? There there were some plays where you could see like okay, this kid's athletic, he can get to the edge, his kickbacks are solid, but like he needs to truly like it's going to be a process, like it's going to be growing with him. But I think he does have potential to be the left tackle of the future. I don't know about superstar, but like we're going to have to see way more. But he does have all those intangibles. Yeah, so before I start this point, I do want to like I agree with everything you just said. I'm very bullish on Braxton Jones. Um he is he's he's looked the part. He's looked like the hyped up guy that we've heard about in camp. He looked pretty good on uh, in the preseason game, but I will say like just trying to like critique every like trying to be a perfectionist because that's how you have to look at a rookie man you have to be able to pick this stuff up quick with them you know be able to work on it right away because it's something like hey you fix this we're past it you can start focusing on other things to really improve your game um there was two things that kind of stuck out with me with braxton jones um i i do think he set the edge pretty well but i think he does get a little top heavy at times and by that i feel like he kind of goes over a bit like with his arms, especially on run blocking, he gets a little ahead of himself. He's going faster than what his feet are allowing him to do. And that's, that's a hyped up young guy trying to play. Like that's, that's something that's normal at his, you know, at his uh, experience level. Um, and I really think his balance can go a long way. 
you know, I, I like that you brought up balance. You kind of meant you kind of meant it in a different way than I mean it. But like, I thought his center of gravity has a little bit that it c- can improve on. I did really enjoy his footwork. I really enjoyed him setting the edge. I thought, uh, I thought the biggest play um, with Justin Fields um, that kind of showed Braxton Jones kind of understanding the concepts of an NFL defense that's going against him was uh, him being able to shift over and understand the most important guy coming to the quarterback. And this is on the play that uh, Justin basically got hit as he was throwing uh, to Tajay Sharp, where uh, Mustafer got completely mollywopped on the play. But what I liked and on that Schofield was, too. Yeah, what I liked on that play though was the left side of the offensive line, and this this goes into Cody Whitehair as well. Is they both knew the they both knew what they saw. They both shifted over to the guys that could get to Fields before anybody else, and and Whitehair unfortunately trusted uh, Sam Mustafer and it didn't pan out for him. But uh, Braxton Jones, it, it seems like he truly has an understanding of what it takes to be left tackle in the NFL. Um, he's he, dude, he has the raw talent. There's there's no doubt about that. I think uh, I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to be a top five left tackle in this league, but I think being a starting quality left tackle at his age is a pretty damn good get, especially in the fifth round. You know, that's, well, especially that's something that teams pay a lot guy. of money for. Yeah, especially if he is a small school guy. Like, small school guys, they typically have a much quicker learning curve because they're not in the best facilities. They're not getting the best coaching. Like, you're gonna you're you're upping your level. Like when you go to Alabama, you're in an NFL program already. So like the you should be more of a finished product when you get there. But you look at some of these guys that come from you know it's it's incredible how uh, polished Darnell Mooney was coming out of um, one of the one of the T's. What is it? Tulsa, Toledo, one of those. Um, I believe he went to Toledo. Um, but yeah, no, I I just feel like overall there, there's room for improvement. I I also think that. You know, Schofield, I thought was a formidable veteran veteran minimum signing, um, but he was getting rocked. Does that have anything to do with him not having minicamp, maybe being a little bit more out of shape than he should be to be going for his first game? I don't know, but this is these are problems that we thought, um, you know, could be predictable, uh, as we've mentioned in in previous episodes. But yeah, Mustafa, yeah, I mean, like, no can do. They need Lucas Patrick back bad because, like you said, Cody Whitehair trusted Sam Mustafer. And the problem is he should be able to trust him. Like, and I think you'll be able to trust a Lucas Patrick. Um, and people do, people were really down on Cody Whitehair. You know, uh, he's been one of our more solid O linemen for see, years. I never understood. I never understood that. Like, and that's that. I he would had a little bit of a down year last year, but just to be like, oh yeah, he's garbage. Like, you got to think how many people were mentally dejected working in a Matt Nagy offense for four years. Like, that's Dude, a that's a lot. And think about it. He's played nearly every position on the offensive line at some point during his Bears career. It's like he can never really get comfortable. There, there's already people that are calling for him to go back to center, and I just want nothing to do with that. I want him to stay in one position and worry about one assignment. You know. Your, your head can start to spin when you're expected to be a starter on like a above average starter at multiple offensive line positions. You know what I mean? That's why a guy like even up in green Bay, Elgin Jenkins, that's what makes him so fucking special is the fact that he can play that many positions at a high level. I feel like Cody Whitehair has done that at, you know, I will say last year was probably a bit of a down year. I think a lot of that has to do with scheme. And I think a lot of it has to do with so much shuffling on the offensive line in the first place. Like he had to start next to Sam Must for all year. You know what I mean? That's, that's not really ideal for anybody. Well, and don't think like that it wasn't intentional that they had him at left guard specifically. 
right? Like he's next to Braxton Jones, who is a rookie, who's going to need some extra help, who's going to need an extra hand to get to get defensive linemen off their center, whatever it whatever it takes. But they need someone there to be that safety blanket, and that's why you need Lucas Patrick to be there because Mustafer's not able to pick up extra slack. Like you, an offensive line is one unit, and it's if, if it's going to be successful, it's going to move as a cohesive unit, specifically in this scheme, right? Like there's a lot of pass off blocks, a lot of passing through zones to get to your guy. Like you're going to have to get hands on people as you're making your way to your zone. So I think, um, you know, overall it it wasn't a good performance by the first team, whether it was offense or defense, you know, I think we saw an immediate need for Roquan Smith when it was very clear that Andy Reid knew he was out and was just exploiting the fuck out of the middle of the field. You look at Roquan Smith and his numbers against guys like Darren Waller and some of the, some of the better tight ends in the league. And it's like, that's one of, one of the parts of his games that's so underrated. And I come back to, you know, him not playing a premium position and, and extending him. Like it's a very clear void. Yeah, I, I understand, you know, like why people say that. And and I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh yeah, like you need to pay him, you know, reset the market. But I, I just, I think it's a very stupid move to move on from him at, at this point in the season. Like you need someone there to make, because then it's going to be like, you have a huge gaping hole that that play that um, I want to say it was the touchdown play. Maybe either way, I don't know. It wasn't the touchdown play, but there was a play there where Travis Kelsey ran a a, a quick fucking uh, like out or or post whatever it was from the middle of the field, and it was like Moreau was three steps behind him. You know what I mean? Like he was trying to get he had him in his hip pocket for a second, but he did not have the time to come over reach across like to, and that's shit that you see from Roquan Smith all of the time. And that's why like people are really under underestimating what he can do and having him and Jaquan Brisker both roaming around at the same time. Like that's you're looking at a, a very tough middle of your fucking defense, especially when guys like Kyrus Tonga are playing out of their mind. Um, you know, uh, the three tech Justin Jones, I don't know if he even started, but I, I don't think I saw much from him. No, I I'm, I'm don't think he started, but I'm pretty sure he was playing. Um, to kind of touch, to kind of touch on the Roquan point, just really quick. I, I mean, we've talked about Roquan plenty in the past few weeks. So I don't want to dwell on it too much, but um, I really think I really go back to when he was drafted and when he was referred to as the modern day NFL linebacker. Like that was draft day, what they were referring him referring to him, and he's done nothing but exceed draft expectations. So like he is exactly what you want covering a Travis Kelsey over the middle of the field. Um, you know, fresh take from uh, a Bears fan that I work with. Uh, I usually talk ball with him a couple times a week. He'll dry, you know, he'll come uh come to come talk my ear off. Probably the number one thing he said when I brought up the Roquan Smith thing was like, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are going to do that. But when you have Daniel Jones and fucking I don't even know who the Giants tight end is right now doing that that's when you're going to start to realize how important Roquan Smith is because like that's that's kind of what everyone's falling back on is oh well you know it's Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and that's yeah like we're not there yet that's a fair point it's hard to argue with that but if if it hits a point we if we enter the regular season or if and if something ends up happening with Roquan not being on the opening day roster However, that all plays out. I don't want to dive too deep into it. Like that's going to be a hole. Like if we are, if we have guys who are like coming off the street or like fifth round picks that are tearing us up in the middle of the field at the tight end position, like it's going to be a very long season. And like, while I understand guys like, um, 
yeah, that is uh, there is a lot brought up with that. Yeah, lucky spag. I I do want to touch on that because Dallas might want Roquan Smith. But finish your point. Um, I think kind of the biggest thing that people brought up is the fact that the Bears need to modernize. They need to, you know, they need to move on from worrying about the defense, you know, your defensive stars and whatnot. But like, I will always believe in the idea of balance. And I, I still feel like you can be balanced with keeping a guy like Roquan Smith, because I just know a drop off from the linebacker position give to an entire defense, man. It can set, it can set a defense back almost 10 rankings. You know what I mean? If not more like interior, interior linebacker play is important. I think, uh, I think even with how bad a team like Seattle was, last year the past two years with a guy like bobby wagner in there it's gonna be even worse this year without him so i mean there's so much importance having an interior linebacker who can do a little bit of everything and i feel like we're not i feel like this fan base isn't going to realize it until it's too late well there's so many like angles of that right and, and you look at seattle and it's like yeah they had a bad defense but it's not because of bobby wagner it's because they missed on a ton of fucking draft picks had no corners no tackle you know what i mean like there's a lot of things that go into play with it and i, I i've said this before but this is the last time we should talk about it really because roquan smith's a fucking monster um but i, I think realistically um if, if he wasn't or if the bears were in a situation that hey, they're pressed up against the cap next year. They're not going to be able to really pay him. You still got to get offensive. Like, that's not the case, though. You're going to have more than enough left over um, that I think it's kind of crazy. Like, if, if the Bears really are building at a slower pace and you give him a deal that you're able to get out of in year three for half the guaranteed money because something crazy happens and he's not playing at an all-pro level, like, you, that doesn't kill you. Like, by that year, you're, you're looking to compete anyway. So you're able to to make the signings you need to make on the way there. Um, and don't forget too, like there are going to be contracts. Like I don't think Cody white here is forever. I don't, you know, I don't think uh, Cairo Santos is here forever, even though I do not want to see another kicking competition, but let's talk about like, if Dallas, like it, I'll tell you right now, I don't want him to get traded, but if someone were to trade for him, I think Dallas is the most intriguing because of Dan Quinn and Micah Parsons. Like that defense will be fucking insane because Micah Parsons realistically is probably going to be the best linebacker in the league right now. He's already extremely versatile. They might want to use him as a pass rusher more, but like he's different. Like he's, he's different, different. Um, and I'm surprised he went as, as late as he did. I know some stuff kind of came up during the draft process, but overall, man, I think it would be, I know. And I know you didn't watch him every week because Kayla's a huge uh, Cowboys fan, but like still do, man. I still have to watch him every week. Exactly. So like, I know you'd see him every week. I think it would be extremely impressive. And you talk about a middle of the field, like think of Dan Quinn and how aggressive he is. And and now you have Roquan at, at will or maybe at Mike, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how they'd want to rotate him, but I don't know, man, the blitz package is coming. Like a quarterback is going to have to worry about one of those two guys at all times in coverage and blitzing. Like that's fucking it's a lot. That's a lot well, to deal with. I think I think realistically, I I personally don't think Dallas is going to make this move just because I think they like Parsons as a, as an interior linebacker or as a linebacker and they like Leighton Vander Esch and they're going to consider probably giving him well, an extension injured, at some though, point, you know. But like just follow me here. If if it were to happen, if this trade were to happen, I feel like it's funny you just brought up how injury prone it is. I feel like Vander Esch would have to be a key part of that trade as well as a first round pick. Like Dallas would have to be willing to pair up what they already have with a first round pick to be able to send that to us. Cause I don't, P 
people can go online and talk about expected value all they want about Roquan Smith possibly only getting a second and fifth round pick. Like if the Bears only get a second and fifth round pick for Roquan Smith and one of them happens to be a fifth round pick for like two years from now, it's a it's a failure on all ends. Like it That's cannot be it's not defendable, dude. Job. Because yeah, you it's a fleece ne- job. unless you absolutely knock it out of the park with not only just that second round pick, but even just get a decent player with that fifth, fifth round pick on top of the second round pick, possibly being an all pro, like, unless you do that, it's a failure. There's, there's no way you can replicate what Roquan Smith brings to your defense with a second and fifth round pick. And you're just not going to be able to convince me of that. Like he's a second team, all pro. He's a guy who probably should have been either a second team, all pro or honorable mention two years ago. Like this is a guy who's only 25 years old entering his prime. Like I said, I don't want to go too nuts about Roquan, but like, you're never going to be able to replicate your value. Like you have to get at least one first round pick. For not him. enough lucky spag. Not enough lucky spag. No, Just think I, of it. Take linebacker not involved. Otherwise you hang up the phone. Take linebacker, the position linebacker out of the equation, right? Because anyone that has a linebacker like this, like a Fred Warner, like a Bobby Wagner, like, you know, Bobby Wagner obviously is older now, but they're all, they've all been signed by their original team. A Darius Leonard, right? Like you cannot trade us a, a two-time second-team All-Pro who's been really shafted, especially not last year, the year before. Like, he got super shafted that year because he fucking dominated every single category. Like, he was top three in all of them, and there were some that he was in, you know, the tackle for loss. He was on, like, a record pace and even missed the game that year. So, I don't – like, you do not get a second and a third. Like, that's not enough. Because think of how many players, regardless of position, that have been traded going into their first contract after their rookie contract – at 25, entering the prime of their career, like how many of those players have been traded for a second and a third round pick? I can't think of one. Someone fact check me, please. But that's that's how you have to look at this situation. A two-time second team All-Pro that's been shafted on the Pro Bowl and all that shit, like how many of those guys have been traded for a second and a third round pick going into their... their... Think of what Matt got. I know it's a more premium position, but he got two firsts and, and a later pick as well. Dude, think of what Jamal Adams got. And Jamal Jamal Adams can't think of cover what Minka Fitzpatrick. They got for Minka Fitzpatrick. Name exactly, one exactly. You know I mean? Like and Minka wasn't even are... like Minka wasn't even like that proven yet. Like he was really good, but he wasn't like all oh. pro level. And they had to throw a first round pick for that. I didn't mean to shit on you, Lucky Spag. He said what I meant was Dallas. What I meant is what Dallas would offer. Yeah, and then you can't accept that. Like I'd rather him hold out and try to try to go again next year when people have their capital and their cap space figured out. Like. Right now, your options are a little bit more limited, but um, no, a second and a third is not good enough. If you want to send back fucking, uh, what's his name? The guy that's recovering from, Michael Gallup, the guy that's recovering from ACL surgery. Like, if you want to throw that in, in like a second and a fifth, I'll talk about it. Like, you know what I mean? But Or, or, even like, getting, uh, or an offensive like lineman. Like, in a second round pick. There's no way. There's no way they give up CD. No way. Cause he's about to make like 30 fucking million dollars on his next contract. Yeah, so, no, um, no, we'd end up giving up a second, a third Roquan for CD lamb. But like, I, I just think overall, um, you can't do it unless the price is right. Like you cannot have because that's your biggest, even if you don't want to sign him again next year, like, and you're going to franchise tag him, that is your biggest bargaining chip, depending on how the season goes into next year. And, like, if you're not going to get something back in return right now that's going to help Justin Fields in one way or another, then it's a completely failed uh, mission in my in, in my opinion. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And and honestly, Spag, to your point, um, you don't see Jerry giving up a first round pick. He did give up he did give up one to Mark for Amari Cooper on a down season. So I mean it's it's not crazy. It's really like and that's that's the thing. Like if you want a premium premium player like this, like that's the thing. Premium player over premium position, you have to pay the price. Cause like like you said, Lucas, like it's not the route I want to go. But if the Bears really wanted to, if they ended up if they ended up convincing Roquan to play out this year, they could franchise they could franchise tag him twice. Even if they want to play the chicken game where it's like Roquan sit out then. You know what I mean? Like I there's that's not the way that's not the road I want to go down at all. But like the Bears do have a bit of leverage on that front to where they don't have to accept an offer to just get this wash their hands of this. And that's what I think a lot of people aren't really grasping is like I understand you want the situation to end. You're probably stressed out about the Roquan Smith situation. The bears aren't going to sell low because of that. Like that's, that's just not going to happen. You know, that's not how this type of thing works. If they so. do, I have major concerns for the front office. You know what I mean? Like major, there's a big difference between major. like unloading someone a year before they're like, cause they're 28 or 29 and it's like, Oh, they maybe only got two years. So we're going to move on versus like someone that is just entering their prime. And he's ascended every year, really. Like he still hasn't plateaued by any, uh, by any means. So I, I think it's, I think it would be fucking crazy at this point. Yeah, like I said, sure. unless you're getting something back for him. Yeah, for sure. So like in, in, in finishing trading Roquan for anything short of a, a great a fucking massive haul is just not the move, but anyway, kind of moving forward. Cause I, I really want to get off the Roquan stuff. Like me and you could talk about this for hours, Lucas. I mean, we, we usually message each other for hours about it anyway. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to talk about just heading into the Seattle game because I feel like there's a couple interesting storylines heading in. Um, obviously, Matt Eberflus has brought up that the starters are going to play maybe six to ten snaps. That has, yet, yeah. that has yet to be seen. You know, obviously, short turnaround is a big play with that. And by the way, fuck you, NFL, for scheduling it that way. This is supposed to be like scrimmages for teams to get prepared, not potential injury within a week. Um, but I, I, I do think that a guy in particular who has a real shot to impress outside of like the Jack Sanborn, who, uh, like I said earlier, is going to be playing on second team um, is going to get a little bit more of a highlighted opportunity. And a lot of eyes are going to be on him. You know, I, I feel like the coaching staff's eyes are definitely gonna be on Jack Sanborn. And you can't tell me that Matt Eberflus doesn't love what he's seen, you know, but just being the defensive guy that he is, dude, he probably watched those highlights, just chugging Ajus, just fucking insanely fired up. Is probably. Probably, yeah, Eber Fuel, dude, mixing that shit in the shaker bottle like this, you know, uh, just freaking going to town with some pre-workout, um, au jus, whatever you want to toss in there, he's drinking it. Um, but I think a guy who has a real shot to make a big impression, and it's a guy who's been through trade rumors this season, it's a guy who's been talked about as being lazy, being fat, being, you know, soft, anything you want to toss at him, it's been tossed at him from uh, the media, Bears Twitter, Bears Facebook, which, by the way, we shit on Bears Twitter a lot, but Bears Facebook is notoriously bad as well. Um, and that's Tevin Jenkins. Tevin Jenkins has gotten some sec- – he started the week at second-team right guard. He finished the week on first-team right guard. He is going to get a very legit opportunity to win that position. There is a legitimate position battle there, especially with Lucas Patrick going back to center. Um, Sam Mustafer might not have a spot at right guard waiting for him. You know, And Michael Schofield, if he continues to play the way he did – he's going to be the sixth guy off the bench. You know what I mean? Or potentially a camp cut. You know, you never know with how these things might work out. So I think Tevin Jenkins has a very real opportunity 
to take a starting spot this week. And that's that's a very interesting storyline with where we were just a week ago, Lucas. It's such an interesting journey, right? Like, I haven't seen a ton like that. Because um, didn't someone big actually report that the Bears were looking at trade offers for Tevin Jenkins? Maybe that was I, I believe it was Rappaport. Yeah, I think it was Rappaport. So maybe that was to send him a message, or maybe they actually were exploring it. But he came out and looked like one of the better offensive linemen uh, that played. And now, don't get me wrong, the competition level went down. I'm glad he's working with the ones now. Um, but, yeah, overall, like, fuck, dude, Schofield look, looked awful. Like, well, very, very bad. And I think one thing that bodes really well with Tevin is, um, well, as I'm about to criticize him, at when he was playing right tackle on Saturday, the biggest thing I noticed, and I brought it up on Twitter quite a few times, is he was just really having an issue setting the edge, like really having an issue getting his left foot set in and being able to get to the pass rusher on the outside. But it was a stark difference once they started running the football. Like his ability to get to the second level at his size and get to linebackers, like it's it's something that is really impressive, honestly. I think he, he, you know, Spags is saying he looks slow as hell. Like, I think that's a big part of why they're not happy with him. Like, they need a bit more athletic linemen to run this scheme. You don't need your traditional, like, hogs. So, I think that's why someone like Braxton Jones is working out um, and, you know, maybe kicking Tevin Jenkins. I mean, hey, dude, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, kicking someone into guard that was drafted as a tackle, um, we see it happen all the time. Like, when, they, when they're struggling, maybe they're, they, you know, the typical – um, progression is starting them at right tackle, moving them to left tackle. Then if it's not working out, you know what I mean? Or moving them down to guard. So I think, um, I, I mean, we'll, it remains to be seen, right? Like, well, is he gonna I, be able to get to the second level at, at the guard position? Is he going to be able to make his blocks on linebackers? Like that's important. Your guards are pulling. Um, so, you know, well, is see, he going to be fast enough to do that? Like that's a big, people always talk about athleticism of tackles. And I think that comes into play a lot um, in terms of setting the edge and, and pass blocking and, and, and getting, you know, their kickbacks going, but guards also have to be pretty fucking athletic. Like that is not, it's, there's no longer just to be a big fat guy there. Like that's not, that's not how it works. Cause you got guys that are 260 pounds that are strong enough to compete with big boys and they're fast enough to just beat you like a drum. So See, I might I might have to disagree with you here, Spag, because I thought there was two plays in particular where Tevin got to a linebacker pretty well in run blocking and actually kind of uh, was really mollywhopping the down lineman in front of him as well. Um, is he going to be the most athletic guy in the field? You know, absolutely not. But, you know, I think he is sneaky athletic enough to be able to get to linebackers at the second level, and I thought that's what he was doing very well in run blocking on Saturday. Now, when it comes to setting the edge and pass blocking, yes, it was very obvious that he was not not up to speed. And another part of that could, could have to do with him not really playing in the past few weeks. You know, all these guys that are practicing that were practicing while he was doing whatever, you know, they, they have the advantage on him. And I think to see him move up the ranks so quickly, once they move him into guard is a very promising sign that potentially Tevin's getting ramped up. Maybe Tevin's finally getting up to speed. Maybe he's finally getting comfortable with what this scheme's asking him to do. Maybe he's finally getting a little bit in a football shape. You know, I'm sure the first couple days back at practice where we weren't, where fans weren't able to be there. I, I guarantee that dude was sucking wind. Like there's just no way about it, but you know, with how, with how harsh these practices are and for Tevin to still find a spot on this offensive line, it tells me he's doing something right. And I think we are going to see a, a more elevated version of him on uh, tomorrow 
against Seattle. At least I hope so, because I, with with how much potential he has, with the player he looked like in college, like it, it's it's that's why it's been so hard for me to completely give up on him. Because like this is a guy who can play with the big boys. He is a big boy. He's a he's an interesting athlete, man. And I think that's where a lot of people had him ranked as high as they did. Um, in the draft process. So I'm really interested to see what he can do inside because there were also a lot of experts when he was drafted that thought that would eventually be the best spot for him. I, and here's the thing, right? Like the bears still don't have any mean offensive linemen like Schofield. And I want to say Mustafer came up to dude after Justin Fields got hit late and like got in his face a little bit, but like we need someone that people are actually afraid like is this guy gonna pull off my helmet and hit me in the fucking head with it if i do something wrong you know what i mean like <laughs> just we, just start miles just a, just the miles garrett type thing like you need to have <laughs> i'm not saying i condone it or it needs to happen at any point during a game but if the defensive line believes that or the dbs believe that like i'm i that's what you want right like we need some form of enforcement and that's what the bears were looking for last year um, and don't forget, too, he missed most of last year as well. Didn't have training camp. Like, there, he's still a very, very, very raw product. So, I mean, it looks like – I said this before. Maybe I spoke too soon, but they were challenging Tevin Jenkins, and he wasn't rising to the occasion before, but now it looks like he's, he's starting to. So, I mean, fuck, man. The, the best thing possible would be for him to be the answer at, at right guard, you know, the coveted right guard position that everyone was freaking the fuck out about um, all offseason. So, if, if he could – he can make it, dude. And then you got white hair Jenkins, um, white hair Jenkins and Lucas Patrick coming back. And, and you have Braxton Jones, who's going to be a work in progress and, and reef on the right side. Like, I like that. Borum coming in as, as swing tackle. Like, you can you can cook with, you know, you're cooking with grease. That's uh, what Roquan would say, cooking with grease. So, um, you know, I, I, I think so much that you just said that. <laughs> and, 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 and now that we're going to get, because, you know, if we're on the theme of people that, Bears fans are so willing to trade um, both Roquan Smith and Dave Montgomery made the top 100. And you got to think cracking the top 100 on a team that is dog shit is not an easy thing to do. I, I would assume that Robert Quinn's the only other one that's going to be in the top 50. Um, but otherwise, like you're talking about two guys and Roquan Smith and David Montgomery, who both been rumored to, yeah, the bears don't need them moving forward. Well, I just love because wasn't it like the first thing they said once they announced like they put Roquan on the screen was like, this is his first time on the list. Like, um, Yeah, no, that was Devin White. Devin White was like, people are far, like, if I watch linebacker tape, that's who I'm watching. Like, yeah, I was going to say like, that's that's other linebackers, favorite linebackers that people oh, underestimate that. people underestimate how good Roquan Smith is like, dude, it's it's disgusting, man. You, yeah. Lucas, this that's why that's why before the last episode started, I was wearing my Roquan Smith jersey and I was hot because yeah. people just do not understand how good he is. But again, I want to stay off the Roquan. Yeah, let's way. let's move. Let, um, yeah, we we I will him say, enough, but I want to move. Oh, I will sorry, say. So I brought up Tevin. Tevin's a guy that I really want to see kind of uh, take this step forward. Who is somebody in this game that you're watching that is somebody that really needs to have the game? Well, that's what I was getting at, actually, because the David Montgomery theme goes very well with Khalil Herbert. And Khalil Herbert had a dog shit game. Not kind of bad. Not No, he averaged 2.9 yards per carry. So that huge number that everyone was, oh, yeah, he averages 0.2 yards per carry more than David Montgomery last year. Um, you know, that that all went to shit. And listen, I don't I don't wish bad upon Khalil Herbert. 
by any means, but like I'm going to be extra critical of him because he, re- he people are trying to replace David Montgomery with him, and I have a very special place for David Montgomery in my heart and his jersey, which I don't buy jerseys of of current players very often with the state of how fucking much players move specific. I mean, and, and specifically running backs. Um, but I had a lot yes, of faith. The genuine, in Montgomery. genuine state of the Chicago Bears the past ten years, but yeah, time. but Khalil Herbert had a, a very rough game, enough of a rough game to me. I mean, what he had two drops, one being so fucking egregious on a dump off. You know what I mean? Like people want to talk about how easy it is to replace David Montgomery. David Montgomery is a true three down back. They even talked about that in his top 100. Him as a pass catcher is good. Very good. Very above average. I'm not going to put him because I, I would rather have Tristan Ebner taking the ball um, in terms of catching the ball. But like, or at least running routes. I don't know. Dave Montgomery high points balls. Like he's he's just a fucking gamer. You know what I mean? Well, like dude, he's just imagine, a gamer. He's not fast. He's not whatever. But like he has gotten faster. I would love to see his new forty time because he's gotten faster than his four six three or whatever he ran. And overall, just I think Tristan Ebner outperformed um, Tristan Ebner. I'm sorry, T R E S T E N, not Tristan, but. Tristan Ebner outperformed him by a wide margin, right? Like as a pass catcher, as a runner, everything. So there's nothing that Khalil Herbert did that I'm like, holy shit, we could replace David Montgomery. Nothing at all. If anything, it gave me more affirmation that we need to fucking keep David Montgomery. Uh, I'm sure Tristan Ebner, after he takes Khalil, I'm, I'm just going to call it now, bold prediction, he takes Khalil Herbert's uh, snaps. Like by the by week eight, he will be the guy getting more snaps than Khalil Herbert. I'll call it right now. I've said it from the start. Listen, I like Herbert. I like the idea of a fifth round pick being great. I, I do. I, I really do. But like, I don't, I, I, I never saw Khalil Herbert as this elite player. I saw him getting uh, the benefit of the doubt when, when, when playing teams that weren't as good, get getting the ball in situations where it's a lot more open on first and 10 versus fucking third and one. Like I, I saw a, a really good year out of a rookie um, and him picking up the slack when when he left or when David Montgomery got injured last year. But I did not see some elite back that I didn't see anyone. Bain and Garfield, Bain and Garfield, like Dave Montgomery is on a whole different planet than Khalil Herbert. And we learned that in this preseason game when because people are underestimating too, like the Aaron Jones factor. What, what did they do with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams? And now they're doing with. Um, now they're doing with AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. Like they, they use their running backs in the passing game a ton. And it's not just in the flats or just a quick fucking, Hey, stop route or screen. Like, no, they're having their, uh, their running backs run deep wheels, Texas routes, like shit that you actually need, need to be able to run routes for. And Cleo Herbert, like, sure. He might be a fit for the zone running scheme, but you don't want to use fucking four running backs and give tells on every single play by who you have in because of what they can do when David Montgomery can do it all. You know what I mean? And like Tristan Ebner is Tristan Ebner is so much better as a, as a, um, as a receiving back. It's like, I'd rather just give him the, the carries. So there's no, you know what I mean? It's like when either guy's on the field, they can both do it all. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I'm ready to give that to Tristan Ebner yet. I am just, just based on like, I, and I've, I've been really big on Tress and Ebner, honestly, throughout camp. Like both days that I went, he he shined specifically in like route running. Like his route running might be better than just his catching and catch like run after the catch. Like exactly, his route running is actually pretty pretty up there as far as that I've seen uh, with running backs. That's why I person. say a Kamara comparison because like Kamara just gets open. Like he, yeah. they run, I mean, it's a running back that runs a runs routes like a fucking good wide receiver. I will say though, I'm not, I'm not. 
I'm not there with Herbert yet, though. I'm not I'm not where you're at with Herbert yet. I still feel like he did show enough last year that he's going to get a legitimate shot in this offense. Um, I still think his one cut between the tackles and him off tackle is something that can really expose defenses, Um, especially because, like, I, I understand Dave Montgomery being a, th- a three down back. I 100 percent agree with that assessment of him, but he's not a guy you want to you want to run into the ground by week 10. You know, we're, we're going to need games. Where we're going to need heavy doses of other guys. While Trust and Ebner did uh, cut off a pretty good, uh, a pretty good run in the game, in the game last week, I'm going to need to see more of that consistently in the running game to be able to comfortably give him that spot. Although while you were talking and I tried to interrupt you, but I'm glad I let you just kind of go with it. Uh, Trust and Ebner and um, Dave Montgomery in the backfield and shotgun sounds like a lot of fucking fun. He um, just moves at a different speed, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, he just looks like he's like, it looks like when you're playing a cross platform game and that guy that's on PC, like he's the guy that's on PC, like he's moving at a different speed than everyone, not just the other running backs. Yeah, no, I mean, I, like I said, I think there are strengths to both players. I will agree with you that Khalil Herbert had a monumentally bad game. Like I was me being as like a Khalil Herbert guy. And I'm not saying me being clear in the offensive line. Yeah, the offensive line plays into that. Like, yeah, well, going against him the dropping first... the ball plays into that as well. That's so like, no, it's... that's ter- that's egregious. Like, that's like the type of shit that will get, dude. You're a fourth round guy from the last fucking regime. Like, you have no leeway at this point. He drafted a a guy in the fifth round, right? Like, he yeah, he uh, uh, Tristan Ebner, Tristan Ebner. Yeah, no, but I mean, like, I I still feel like like I want to see a lot. Like, I'm with you. I want to see a lot from him tomorrow against Seattle. Like, I want to see. Khalil Herbert really have this game because honestly, man, I, I, I don't really care who's running back too. It would just be really nice to have three running backs that all contribute to the team because that's another thing we did not see in the Matt Nagy offense. And that's something that we saw in green Bay for that one year where they did have Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and AJ Dillon is there was a heavy dose of, you don't know what the fuck they're going to do out of the backfield because they have a weapon on the field at all times. And that's just a good problem to have, especially when we're lacking in receiving town as much as we are outside of a guy like Darnell Mooney, which by the way, um, Eknamary St. Brown, I do want to see, uh, I want to see something out of him this week as well. I, I hope he gets more than 10 snaps just because I feel like we do need to see if he's going to be that legit second guy in the offense at wide receiver. But I don't um, think he is. I, I like I never I always saw him as the third or fourth guy, to be honest. Like, yeah, he had an impressive camp, but, um, you know, he's been in the league for a while now. Like, by, I like I always thought By- Byron Pringle was going to be that number two. But at at the same time, I well, that's that's a guy that I really didn't see a ton of really on Saturday either. That would probably bode well for a good. Well, game. he was in. He wasn't he didn't play. No, he played. No, he didn't. Him, Komet. No, him, Komet, Bayless. Um, I'm almost positive Byron Pringle was on the field. I'm pretty. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I was. I'm pretty sure I saw what he's number thirteen, right? Mm, I don't know. Regardless, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think really the entire receiving core outside of Darnell Mooney can bode bode well. I also want to see David Moore. I did not see enough David Moore. Um, He's a guy that I really think has a chance to be a good contributor on this team he's not going to be like the third fourth option or anything like that but like he's had such an impressive camp and he has that luke getsy connection and didn't i think he those... get hurt too though i thought it was just pettis that was playing who actually played pretty well and of course uh tajay sharp as well but i believe both of those guys were injured like they 
Where's yeah, no. Quad injury on August 6th. Um was Byron Pringle. And I don't I don't think David Moore either played. Um which I was actually oh, pretty excited. Yeah, for that's him. right. That's right. Yeah. No, they were missing a lot of their weapons. Like people like that's another thing too. We didn't we we saw a lot of the Chiefs first team D. Um and who they just recently got Chris Jones, right? From Arizona who fucking tore up our interior line. You got to think Lucas Patrick was out. Um, they're still shuffling around what's going on with right, uh, right guard. Um, yeah. So I, I like, I wouldn't read too much into that first team stuff. Well, let's be real. They're not going to be a, competing for a Super Bowl anyways. And they're, they're playing the class of the fucking AFC for the last five years. So kind of expected that with the first teams, but I think overall with the energy that the second team played with and how, and like how they came back and, were really fucking resilient, man. You know what I mean? Like they didn't even get that that snap, and they were down 14-0, and they didn't even get the ball first. Like that Jack Sanborn uh, interception happened right as the third quarter started. They put it in like you know two touchdown drives when they got the ball on short field. Something we didn't see with Matt Nagy. So overall, a lot of a lot of positives to build on. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I'm just really I'm really excited to see what depth really take uh, brings to the table. Um, if we don't see that much of Justin Fields, obviously, because again, six, 10 snaps is what Eberfuth's talking about. I want to see what uh, Trevor Simeon can do with some of these receivers because honestly, he was throwing some pretty good balls on Saturday. He played um, pretty fucking well. Like, it, yeah, the first, at first, he wasn't, but you could tell it was like a guy that started a lot of games for a team facing second and third teamers. Like, he started tearing them up. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, there's, yeah, and honestly, the biggest one, as I said, kind of at the top of the show, is I want to see what Jack Sanborn does with the second team. I want to see if he can continue to climb that ladder because Matt Adams didn't pop off the board for me at all. Um, Joe Thomas is a good contributor, but I still feel like Sanborn was just kind of playing at a different level. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what he does with all the eyes on him in a stadium in Seattle that uh, can be can be a little humbling, you know what I mean, especially for a young player. So. But anyway, uh, Lucas, you got anything else that you really want to touch on here, bud? Nothing crazy, actually. Um, no, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think we covered a lot of it. Like we're at an hour, um, so I feel pretty good about everything. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, if you're just popping in, uh, my boy Anson, I just saw that you popped in here towards the end. Um, be sure to check us out on Spotify, YouTube. You know, we got the we got the replay up there. If you uh, if you came into the chat, be sure to see your chat on the replay. Um, check us out, Spotify, Apple, dude. Ratings go a long way. If you want to rate us on Apple, Spotify, even Anchor, if they have a rating system, like that helps us kind of move up the the list on the algorithm. Um, I I haven't gotten a bad response about the podcast yet. So I mean, like, obviously, me and Lucas are kind of doing something right. So. If you like the show, be sure to do that. Like us on YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube. Do the whole thing. Um, Jack Sanborn is elite. He'll be a starter week one. And uh, I got nothing else. Bear down. Bear down.